Harris is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? He's going for the corner. Kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. Welcome back to another episode of the Fifth Year Podcast. My name is Clint Maxey, joined here by Parker Biggs. On this episode, we will start off with our Week 6 recap, followed by college football headlines, and then we have our interview with Tanner Mordecai and then finish it off previewing this weekend's biggest games and trivia. This really was one of the best sports weekends of the year. It was awesome. A couple things here. Largest comeback in Red River Series with OU coming back from being down 21. Uh, Number one seed Alabama getting upset in College Station and good Iowa-Penn State matchup, but lots more to get into. Parker, great weekend in Dallas. How was that? I imagine that was unbelievable. It was. I mean... The OU Texas game is always fun, as you know. Uh, no matter what the score is, it's always a good time. But I mean, even if you just take out everything about that game and everything, the state fair and the corn dogs and the wax beers and all that, you take that away, and it's still one of the best college football games of all time. Yeah. You add in that atmosphere. I mean, it was it was nothing like I'd ever. I mean, that that OU side was as loud as I've ever ever experienced. It was. It was unreal. I can't even imagine. So we'll get into the week six recap, uh, kind of going right off of that. Oklahoma Storm's back in the second half behind Caleb Williams. I was re-watching it the other day. I think he came in with six minutes left in the, fir- in the first half. Yeah. But they really just looked like a totally different team in the second half. Yeah, so like you said, so initially, uh, yeah, Texas got off to that hot start, 28-7 in the first quarter after – jumping the Sooners early, getting up 14-0, less than two minutes into yeah. the game. I mean, at that point, as an OU fan, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, this, I know. This could I get totally ugly. Agree. Um, so, yeah, OU gets down 14-0, uh, and then doesn't really get it going. It gets to 28-7 game. Rattler hadn't done much, um, but OU puts in Williams there, what, with – I think it was the first play – so the first play of the second quarter when they put him in on that fourth and one just to try to pick yeah. up a yard in that run, rushing package, and he takes it 66 yards. Mm-hmm. So you cuts it to 28-14 at that point. It was still Rattler's team at that point, though. Rattler goes in or uh, stays in and start kind of driving a little bit. They're down 28-17 at that point. And then Rattler has his second turnover of the day. So that's when that change finally happens. What OU fans have been chanting for, for weeks leading up to this, OU finally makes that change, and I mean the rest is history. I mean that's, I mean that change. I think the court could potentially have changed the course of OU season uh, for the Big Twelve for the playoff race. I mean OU outscored Texas thirty-eight thirteen from that point. I mean it was a, a totally different game. Wild, yeah, it was. Do you want to go? Yeah, more? yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, OU's offense just as a whole looked totally different once Williams was in. I think the main reason is just that threat. I mean, you saw it on that 66-yard touchdown run. How I mean, he's not Kyler Murray fast, but, I mean, he's kind of a mold between. I mean, he outran those DBs. They caught up to him eventually. Doesn't he kind of remind you of a mold, kind of a uh, uh, mold between Hertz and uh, and Kyler, kind of a tweener between those two? Especially that run. It was opening the second half, that first drive when he spun. Yeah, Yeah. that was a nice move. Yeah, so, I mean, he comes in and the offense, I mean, just the energy around the offense changed totally. Really the entire team. Yeah. Defense almost, too. Everyone was was more fired up. I mean, he had a presence, he has a presence about him, um, and that was obvious. So, he comes in. I think the main thing that he brings is that ability to open up the run game, which OU hadn't had all season. So, it kind of offsets some of the struggles the offensive line has had because you got another guy in there that can run the ball. Um, so OU was able to really do what they wanted on the ground in the second half with Williams and specifically Kennedy Brooks, the game of his career. He had 217 yards, two touchdowns, 
averaged nearly nine yards of carry. Most of that came in the second half. Um, so he ran at will. It opened up the play action game. And then Williams just is kind of a playmaker. Yeah. I mean, he makes he takes some risks. He gets out of the pocket and he's able to get the ball downfield. I mean, some of those throws he made were unreal. Um so after OU kind of was rolling, getting back into this game behind Williams, they settled for some field goals early and were still down what forty one twenty three with like two, three minutes left in the mm-hmm. in the third quarter. So I mean it was still look even after Williams entered the game, it still wasn't looking great for the Sooners as they were having to settle for field goals. Um and Texas hadn't given up hadn't given up that lead, but then everything changed. Uh OU had that game what game tying touchdown uh what was the pass to Mims right 52 yard pass yeah or that was going down two and then Spencer yep. came back yep. in that was the unreal I mean that was one of the I best know. catches I've ever seen I know. and that toe tap yeah. you probably I mean I'm sure I've seen the replay the Jumbotron, yeah, but, yeah. but oh my gosh that I mean was that huge. was I mean and so at that point it's like holy smokes we've got a, a two-point game and then out of the blue there goes yeah Rattler trotting out for that mm-hmm. two-point conversion to tie it up he made a good play. I think the main reason they did that was Williams hadn't practiced the two, yeah. didn't know the two point plays oh, as well. Two. So I mean that took some guts from from Rattler. Mm-hmm. I I, uh, I will say that was a, a good pass to to Stoops there to get the tied up, and then I mean every, it just snowballed at that point. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Kelly, the sixth year senior, has had injury problems. Had his OU Texas moment, which mm-hmm. was awesome awesome to see. Strips the ball uh, on the ensuing kick return um strips the ball from uh uh xavier worthy who had an unreal game besides so that did fumble. you i because on tv it didn't look like i had they, no idea yeah on tv you couldn't even tell either it looked like they just made a good kickoff defensive play and then somehow i had the ball and then we saw it oh my god i had some wild. mom some mom sitting in front of me and she looks she she turns around and looks at the people i was sitting with he goes, she goes he took the ball <laughs> like immediately she immediately knew it wow. and i just was like i literally was like no no he didn't but it was a good but then you look down and he's yeah everyone's celebrating down the corner yeah that took I me mean, a little while to realize it but what a play I mean, and it was just crazy coming right back right and then that that touchdown getting the two-point conversion and that on the kickoff oh. was just i mean the so place crazy. was i mean <laughs> i can't even I mean, that sta- so cotton bowl's 90 year old stadium i mean yeah. i was worried i mean it was shaking it was uh it was it was crazy so then yeah, so OU, t- or OU then proceeds to take the lead, uh, but the defense couldn't get that last stop at the end. Texas scored their first touchdown in the second half. Um, the next drive, I think they – or not the next drive. I think they ended up punting it. Then OU punted it back to right. them, yeah. and then Texas goes and scores. With a minute 20 left, um, OU gets the ball, uh, methodically gets it down into field goal range. Looks like they're settling for a Burkett's field goal. And then Kennedy Brooks takes it 33 yards to the house. Basically, his time expires. I think there was two seconds left. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one of the most, the coolest moments uh, the season, for sure. Yeah, and the two of those touchdowns in the game were that same play where I he love pitches. That. I do, too. Direct snap to yeah. Kennedy Brooks, fakes the pitch. Yeah, it's a really good play. See, I mean, Lincoln can open up the playbook so much with yeah. a running quarterback. I know, I agree. And, yeah, he's had that for, I mean, Baker wasn't, but... Baker was like deceptively fast, but with Jalen and Kyler, yeah, you could definitely do that. So, yeah, and then Rattler isn't unathletic or slow, but he just doesn't move around in the pocket real well. I'm surprised Lincoln doesn't draw up or didn't. I feel like I'm looking in the past here for Rattler now, but like he can definitely run, he can move, but there were never any read options or anything no. like that with Rattler. So, and that kind of leads me to my next topic. What do you think is going to happen to Rattler now? I would assume Caleb's going to start. I mean, everything's pointing to that. There was a report today with from a public building in quotes from some OU OU Daily OU Daily yeah, it was yesterday yeah they, yeah they, Caleb Williams is taking the first team first team snap, yeah no so. right, wait, Williams is gonna yeah. is gonna be the guy going so what, forward. what's next for Rattler one I will say I do feel bad for Rattler mm-hmm. um I feel not I do think he's brought some of it on himself his he can be kind of a douche he's I mean everyone's seen all that QB1 stuff from when he's in high school uh but, I mean, the guy's been totally villainized. So, I'll get that out of the way. I feel bad for him. Not an ideal situation for a guy that had such high expectations. I mean, I think he sticks it out for the rest of the season. I think, I mean, it wouldn't make sense for him to leave. Uh, I mean, he's a talented guy. I mean, oh, you doesn't want to lose him. You don't yeah. want to go. I mean, you're in trouble if Williams goes down, if Rattler's not there. Right. Um. So, I would assume he sticks it out. And then the question is, does he enter the transfer portal after the season? 
or still go pro. I still, I mean, he'd get drafted. This is such a weak quarterback class. I mean, he'd, he'd yeah. get drafted. I don't have any, I, I, I'd be shocked if he didn't. I think he's still a third, fourth rounder just because of the arm talent he has and the lack of quarterbacks. It'd be a that, wild move, though, I think. Yeah. If you get benched halfway through the year and they need to clear for the draft, coming off that year, you're benched. I mean, yeah. And with his talent, if he goes to a different school, which I kind of wonder what school he would go to, Pac-12. someone. Yeah, and I someone jokingly West- tweeted, I don't even know if it's a joke because it kind of makes sense as Arizona State yeah. goes back home to Arizona State. I mean, he could rack up numbers and do Yeah, a lot I mean, better. that's the thing. He's still – everyone's kicking Rattler while he's down. It sucks for him that he gets benched, but it's not like he got benched by some, for some bum. I mean, yeah. Caleb Williams might be a generational talent. That yeah. doesn't take, mean Rattler is a bad quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think he was – I, mean, I, I don't know why he's not the quarterback. He First of all, it's not that he's – he just got worse from last season, which doesn't yeah. make sense. Another thing is I think – I was thinking about this over the weekend when he got benched, but it seems like he is one of those quarterbacks who goes to those quarterback camps and just lights it up, like unbelievably throw 70-yard throws all over and can make every single, every single throw, but just doesn't have that in-game, yeah. like gamer type Oh, yeah, no, he, he has the ability to make every – like throws that most – yeah. quarterbacks can't make he yeah. just it's the it's once he gets in the game he makes just some poor decisions he sits in the pocket too long he struggles sometimes reading defenses i think um but He's yeah. scared to make mistakes too i think that's that's another big thing yeah well i mean you see i mean he wouldn't he doesn't take some of those shots that i know i think i saw he's had rattlers had four 20 yard pat or 20 yard completions all season and williams had two like two in the fourth quarter one of yeah. was that 52 yard touchdown pass. right yeah yeah so after this game i mean it's pretty similar outlooks for ou has a little better outlook for the college football play and a playoff and everything but big 12 wise ou and texas still right up there so what do you kind of see for the both of those teams the rest of the way i'll start with ou just since we're on on ou i think i mean i think it gives ou hope for winning a national championship once again, which I think had kind of gone away after. I mean, they were not a national championship team the first five weeks. I mean, or yeah, five and a half. They <laughs> yeah. had one half where they looked like a national championship yeah. team. I mean, maybe that was an anomaly, and Caleb Williams isn't going to do that every week. But there's suddenly hope, and I think OU is a better team moving forward. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's going to. I mean, he, Caleb Williams might. I mean, he is going to go through some freshman. Uh, roadblocks along the way, but I think OU is now clearly the favorite to win the Big Twelve. Um, I think there's no doubt about that. I think that before that, I mean, if, I mean Texas, OSU teams that I mean we're looking on the same level, but I think being able to the potential of having an explosive offense uh, behind a quarterback that can do so like do it through the air and on the ground, and combine that with the, uh, still a good defense despite giving giving up 48 points i still think ou's defense is good they, i mean they got a little unfortunate with some ter- those first half turnovers and block punts which giving texas points the ou defense basically shut down Bijan and that texas offense uh in the second half only giving up one touchdown um but i will say for texas i was really really impressed by Sar- Bijan, or just or by just, yeah, texas overall. in general yeah i mean sark is doing what Herman never was able to, and that's create a high-powered offense that isn't solely based around the quarterback. Like Texas had some good offenses under Herman, but it was all dependent on if if Ellinger could go throw for 350 yards and rush for another 90 yards. Yeah. I mean, now they are. I mean, that offense is is for real. Yeah. I was very very impressed by uh, Casey Thompson. What he had 388 yards and five touchdowns. A mm-hmm. lot of that, most of that was in the first half, but still incredible game for him. I mean, Bijan, we all know what he is. I mean, that he's guy's a freak. Unreal. I mean, I that mean, guy. I've seen highlights and stuff, but that was the first time, obviously, I've watched an entire game of Texas. and He might be the most talented running back I've seen in a while. That one, right? so it was right after that Rattler fumble when he, it was. I saw a picture of it too, and there was like six OU guys around him, and then he just cut back and went all the way around the field and almost got it, but he was out at the one. I mean, that was just unreal. It looks like Reggie Bush there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff he's doing is 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 next level for sure. I mean, then you add in what Xavier Worthy had his breakout yeah. game. I mean, 
six catches for 261 yards and two touchdowns. No use corners could not. I mean, they were getting mm-hmm. Jaden Davis and McCutcheon were. I mean, they were looking at the back of his jersey all day. Yeah. So I mean, I think there's a. I mean, that's a heartbreaking loss for Texas, but I think the future looks pretty bright for them. I think they're. I think they're the second best team in the conference in the yeah. Big Twelve. I I really think they. Yeah, I agree. They've got their defense is still questionable. Their offensive line's not very good. I mean, the OU front seven was in uh, Thompson's face all day. But I will say, Tom, I was impressed by his ability to throw when under pressure. He mm-hmm. found windows to get the ball out uh, to his playmakers. So, I mean, I think we'll find out more about Texas if they can get past OSU this weekend uh, in Austin. I, mean, I think it's could be a collision course for a rematch of the red river shootout uh but round two in arlington so i mean i think uh yeah that's my takeaway yeah yeah awesome awesome game historic game on saturday so moving on we'll we'll talk about that osu texas which i'm really excited about we'll talk about that later in the episode moving on to sec number one seed alabama goes down in college station on a last second field goal all right you keep saying seed, Clint. This isn't an number NCAA one tournament. ranked. Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. So True. Bama. I mean, I. This I was shocked by this. I thought A and M stood no chance. Mm-hmm. They'd been so mediocre all season long. Scored what ten against Colorado. Got their, got beat pretty handily by Mississippi State, and then out of the blues, out Calzada, who hasn't, who's been bad all year long. Leads A and M to a win over Alabama, and they—it wasn't fluky. I mean, they looked like they belonged on the field to Alabama. That was, I mean, that was not the Alabama we know. That was Saban's first uh, loss against, or Saban and Alabama had won a hundred straight games against unranked teams, uh, and then also Jimbo becomes the first Saban assistant to beat him. So now Saban's—he was twenty-four and zero against former assistants before this game. I mean, this just shocked me. I mean, I had a – this is personal vendetta against this game, but I had a three-team parlay of OU money line, uh, Georgia money line, and Alabama money line. And Alabama money line I thought was just, you know, yeah. toss-in. Free, yeah. I mean, and so I'm about – thought I was about to win, get a, a win there, and the, the, the Crimson Tide let me down. I mean, I, I just – I'm totally shocked by this, but I mean, what a game for Calzada! He 285 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, I think most people knew he Calzada's got a strong arm coming out of high school. That was pretty well documented. We've seen it this season when he throws the ball, but he had no touch. His accuracy wasn't very good, and then out of the blue, I mean, his his touch was unreal on this game. Some of those, yeah, some of those corner routes. Some of the, I mean, he was just putting the ball right where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama's DBs look confused a lot. Um, and then also Anna matched up and looked every bit as good as Alabama did on both on the front seven, on both sides of the ball, which so much credit goes to the A&M offensive line coach. Cause he, they're playing several freshmen up there. So, I mean, I, I, this is the, I mean, this is, this was shocking to me. Yeah, I totally agree. And so A&M, I don't know if they have much to, much to play for in the SEC, but and then Alabama with a one loss. I don't know if they're going to beat Georgia. I don't think they're going to beat Georgia, but what does this mean for both of them? So for Alabama, I mean, they still control their own destiny. They yeah. win out, they're in. There's right. no doubt about that. If they go one loss, SEC champs, they're in. But they now don't have – they have no wiggle room anymore. Mm-hmm. One more loss, they're probably done. I right. mean, this is a weird year, so you never know. A two-loss Alabama, never know. Could get in. More than likely eliminates them uh, from the, the from the playoff conversation. For A and M, like you said, they're not really. I don't. They're not going to be competing for the SEC West this season. But this was a big win for Jimbo. I mean, they pay him ten million bucks a year, so to be able to beat Alabama <laughs> yeah. is huge. I still don't. I mean, I'm just interested to see what they look like going forward. Is this had the early season A and M was that kind of a fluke with Calzada not expected to be the starter? Um, maybe that was a fluke, and this is the A and M we'll see going forward. I'm not sure about that though. Uh, they got Mizzou this weekend, who's not any good, so it should be a game they win. But if it's close or Missouri somehow pulls it off against the Aggies, then then this game was a total total fluke because, I mean, it just came out of nowhere. So 
I think there's a lot more unknowns with with well, there's obvious. There's clearly a lot more unknowns with what this means for A and M than for Alabama. I mean, I think Alabama's for sure still a top four team in the country at this point. Not saying they should be ranked as a top four team, but they're. I mean, there's not three or four teams in the country that can beat them uh, nine out of ten times. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Alabama's just got to take care of business. They got. I mean, they have Mississippi State this weekend, so again, they should win. They should get. We'll probably get back on track, and then. Uh, yeah, the potential showdown with Georgia um, in December in Atlanta. But if they trip up again, um, they you never know. And there's I mean there's some tests. They still got Arkansas left. They've still got Auburn left. Um, so you never know. They could, I mean they've looked vulnerable, and their defense especially has looked very vulnerable at times. So especially on the road with yeah, Florida yeah. barely beating Florida. So I mean this isn't your typical saving team, which I mean we expect them to reload and be the best team in the country every year. But when you've, when you replace the guys they replaced last year, it's not necessarily that shocking to see them having some struggles. Um, but yeah, see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Alabama's struggles is going to be a one loss, maybe still sec winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the big, the big, big 10 matchup of the year. Iowa continues to force turnovers. They have 20 turnovers through six games, averaging 3.3 turnovers a game, which is absolutely insane. But they rallied back to beat Penn State. Yeah, this is the what their defense is doing is nuts. I don't know if I mean they've got ball hawks, and I've been mm-hmm. high on Iowa all year. But I will say their offense is not good at all. Um, this is the first time in the playoff era that we've seen in a, a playoff contender with this bad of an offense. I mean, I think they're the number, I think they've got their number 121 uh, in total offense uh, thus far this season, sitting behind UMass. So, I mean, they've literally got one of the worst offenses in the country. Uh, part of that is they do have short fields. So they're not having to drive all the way down the field. But Petrus is a game manager at best at quarterback. I mean, Goodson's a really good running back. But, I mean, they, they struggle uh, at times offensively. But that defense is so good. And... Uh, their punter, uh, 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 Tory Taylor, is actually insane, and so I'll get a little more into what he did uh, this this week. But uh, but yeah, Penn State got up in this game uh, 17-3 before Sean Clifford, their quarterback, uh, exited with an injury. I would definitely could have still come back in this game with Clifford being in because it's not like Clifford was a world beater out there. He had two uh, interceptions himself, but uh, when they brought in Taquan Robertson, their backup, I mean, he was bad. Seven mm-hmm. for 21, 34 yards, two interceptions. Um, so that definitely opened the door for, for Iowa to get back in it. Uh, and then once they clawed back in it, they finally got that big play, which, which they've lacked really all year on that 44 yard, uh, touchdown from Petrus to uh, Nico Regini. Uh, but like I said, I think that the MVP for Iowa might just have to be Tory Taylor, the punter during that comeback with Penn State having a, a backup in and Iowa having the home crowd behind them, then being able to pin Penn State deep consistently mm-hmm. was huge. And with Iowa not having that explosive offense, when you're able to pin them deep, Penn State's got a backup quarterback who can't move it you combine the interceptions with them having to punt from deep in their own territory. I mean, Iowa wasn't having to march the ball down the field to win this game. Um, so Iowa uh, survives uh, once again. And I'm, I just don't know how to feel about them. I, I, they, the rest of their schedule is pretty easy. They're going to be favored the rest of the way. Their two hardest games are at Wisconsin and at was and at Nebraska. And that wants to end the season. So I mean, could I see them losing either of those for sure. I could, I Especially could definitely Nebraska. see them losing them, but I mean, there's a also very good chance they're going to end the season reg, the, in the regular season undefeated, and we'll we'll see once they. I mean, it, I want to see them play an explosive offense and yeah. see what happens. Oh, Ohio State! I mean, yeah, could, in the big, big t- potentially yeah. in a big t- big ten. That'd be a really good game. Yeah, but Which I mean, I don't count out Michigan and Penn State either. Still, yeah, in the East, I still think Ohio State's I offense is just they're getting going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was uh, that was a really real. I didn't get to watch that one live, uh, but I went back and watched the replay. And 
what an atmosphere in Iowa City too. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, going on to some other games. Uh, first off, Georgia continues to roll, beating Auburn thirty-four ten. And yep. why don't you just take it from here? Finish up the other games from Week Six. Yep. Yeah. So, like you said, Georgia wins this one thirty-four ten. Auburn uh, scored the first touchdown against uh, Georgia's first team defense all season. So, hey, there you go, Auburn. Uh, but uh, and I think this shows how good Georgia's defense is. So Georgia shut out Arkansas last week, and then Arkansas proceeds to score fifty-one on Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean that, that defense is scary. Uh, so they got a test this week though coming up against Kentucky, who beat uh, uh, LSU last weekend forty-two twenty-one. Probably put the nail in the coffin for Coach O. They probably won't fire him during the season because they don't have any experienced coordinators to be an interim role. But I can't imagine yeah. uh, that they're gonna that they're gonna uh, he's gonna make it the rest of the season. But yeah, Kentucky's rush rush game run game was really really good. Rodriguez, um, who's one of the more underrated running backs in the country, had 147 yards. Smoke had 104 yards, and then Levis, who really didn't have a huge game through the air, uh, got it down the ground with 75 yards. They averaged nearly seven and a half yards per carry. So I mean, Kentucky, they're good. Uh, we're yeah. gonna find out if they're for real or a playoff contender this weekend against Georgia, but. They're a, a very good team, um, at, at the very least. Uh, Nebraska continues to find ways to, ways to lose one-possession games, uh, this time losing 32-29 to Michigan. I picked Nebraska, uh, almost got it done, but, you know, late errors from Martinez and that offense continue to continue to hurt the Huskers. Uh, they got a couple more chances against ranked opponents here to end the season. Uh, I mean, I think they're actually – they're not a bad team. They just can't mm-hmm. finish games. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame gets to five and one, um, coming back against Vautech. Interesting quarterback situation for Notre Dame. So Cohn got the start, uh, but struggled early. Got replaced by Buchner, who showed off his running ability and his athleticism. He did throw a couple picks, uh, but eventually got injured. And then Cohn goes back in, plays well, and leads Notre Dame on a game-winning drive. So it'll be interesting to see what Brian Kelly does at quarterback going forward for the Irish. But uh, Solid win, and Justin Fuente's seat at Vautech is pretty, pretty hot. So uh, they got a, I mean, they could still win the, they could still win the coastal. I think they played Pitt, yeah, they played Pitt this weekend. So uh, if they can win that one, especially, I think they're a, a contender in that division. And then last one here, like I mentioned, with Arkansas scoring forty or fifty-one, but that still wasn't enough to beat Ole Miss and that high-powered offense. Arkansas scored basically with like no time left uh, to. to uh, get it to 52 51, uh, but then decided to go for two for the win and didn't get it. Um, so good win for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. And uh, I'm still really impressed with what Arkansas is doing. They're a good football team. So those were two very even teams. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to college football headlines Derek King out for season after shoulder surgery. Uh, Tyler, Van Dark, Tyler Van Dyke to start. Conference USA, I don't know much about this. Maybe you can go into this, but Conference USA reaches AAC or reaches out reaches out to AAC about splitting into regional conferences. Yeah, so the Conference USA, I think, sent a letter to uh, Commissioner Oresco, uh, the AAC commissioner, uh, yesterday, so that Wednesday or Tuesday, um, about like a potential merger and split into two separate, uh, or basically so the Conference USA and AAC all comes together, and then they split the two conferences regionally. I think the Conference USA is trying to say we should go towards, you know, back we should end this chaos and go back to you know how college football was with regionalized conferences. Mm-hmm. And the American Athletic Conference is not going to do this. Uh, I, but it wouldn't really make sense. You, the AAC is targeting. I think UAB. I mean, to I mean, the more more likely scenario is they see just picks a couple of conference USA teams, yeah, maybe a couple Sun Belt teams, and calls it a day. But uh, yeah, it's that's probably a long shot, but it's an interesting idea. And I'm, I mean, regionalizing conferences sounds great, but it wouldn't make financial sense for the AAC schools, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, and then the last thing we have on the headlines is LSU receiver Kayshawn Boutte Booty out for season with a leg injury, so. Tough. He's a stud too, so yeah, uh, he hits keep coming for LSU. Tough blow for the Bayou Bengals. Very tough blow. All right, on to our interview with Tanner Mordecai.
we're really excited to uh, bring on a guy who's leading the nation in touchdown passes and about top 10 in every other passing category. And he is the leader of the undefeated 23rd ranked SMU Mustangs uh, quarterback, Tanner Mordecai. Tanner, thanks for, uh, for hopping on here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So just kind of hopping right in to uh, the transition you had this offseason going from from OU hitting the trans transfer portal and ending up in Dallas uh, back in the spring. What what led to uh, SMU? I mean, I think it was kind of the perfect storm. Um, I had three returning receivers from last year that were starting and then um, starting 5-0 linemen returning and starting running back. So, I mean, it was really experienced offense and um, I wanted to come somewhere that could uh, go win a championship. So uh, it was kind of the perfect storm. Yeah, so you've got a, a lot of weapons there, like Rasheed Rice, <laughs> Danny Gray, Reggie Roberson, uh, Grant Calcaterra. What's uh, what receiving core is better? What you got down there in Dallas, or what was what was up in Norman? <laughs> um, I mean, Grant's down here with me, so I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm gonna take the guys from from SMU. Yeah, you guys you for go. sure got one of the the best uh, receiving cores in the country. What's uh what's that been like getting to go through this with with Calcaterra, who obviously you played with in, at OU? <laughs> well, he's actually sitting on the couch right over there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been cool. Uh, we're roommates here, so yeah, we were good buddies at OU, and uh, pretty easy transition coming down here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so another thing, another similarity. So you got Calcaterra there. And you still got a, a Riley brother um, that you're you're playing for. What's the what are some of the similarities and differences uh, between Lincoln and then Garrett, who's your offensive coordinator at SMU? I mean, their offenses are extremely similar. Um, they say a lot of the same stuff, mannerisms, the way they run around, and uh, they they have the same jokes. I mean, it's kind of it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. They're they're really similar. Yes, yeah, so you guys have been clicking uh, from the get go to start the season. Does that like the, I guess the offensive uh, game plan being or style of play being so similar, did it make the transition about as smooth as it could have been? Yeah. Um, like I said, I didn't really have to learn a new offense when I got here. So I kind of just was able to hit the ground running, um, kind of just fly into it. Yeah. Awesome. Clint, you want to, yeah. And I, just one more, one more question. I know, uh, I'm sure it's, a good amount of pressure when you're transferring into SMU. What was that like? What was that like when you first got to Dallas? And was it obviously I expect a good welcoming, but I'd imagine it's a little bit of pressure when you do that as the quarterback, especially. I mean, I guess um, I didn't, I didn't feel pressure. Um, I just came in here and was ready to compete and uh, have fun with a new group of guys, a really talented new group of guys. And yeah, I, I don't know if I would say I felt pressure just, just kind of play my game and trust what the coaches put in front of us and get after it. All right. Yeah. So moving on to the NIL, this has been super interesting. I'm really interested to talk about it with you. So what's that been like? What has been the, maybe the biggest surprise since it's all started? Um, I mean, guys on our team aren't making like loads of cash, like uh, big division one places are, I mean, big uh, power five places are, but I mean, yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, guys are able to make some money off their name. I think it's probably been a long time coming. And, yeah, it's a really cool opportunity. Yeah, being in, in Dallas, I feel like SMU could really – is able to benefit off some of those NIL opportunities. And SMU seems to be, have come like a, a cool place to play once again. What is it about uh, Coach Dykes and what he's brought to SMU that's kind of led to, you know, SMU turning back into a powerhouse? Um, I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, Sonny's really laid back. Sonny's like, he's a player's coach. Um, uh, he's really putting out the brand that, uh, this is Dallas's team and not like just SMU. It's a uh, part of Dallas. Um, a lot of, a lot of the kids on our team are from Dallas. Even the guys who, uh, went and played at a bigger school, um, and then decided to come back to home, uh, in Dallas. I mean, I think that's, um, really cool. And then um, a lot of our jerseys and our, our gear that we get say Dallas on it. And um, he's doing a really good job of uh, just branding it as the uh, the Dallas football team. 
Yeah, no, those you guys have some of the, the sweetest uniforms in the country. The, the white, <laughs> the white Dallas uniforms are so clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are big fans of them. All right, so back into to football. So that game at La Tech was crazy for those that didn't see it. Hail Mary uh, to uh, Reggie Roberson. So I, is it true? Was that like was that tip planned? Like, did you throw it to like Rice tipped it right? Like, was that a like I know you practice it, but was that the goal of that when you tossed it up there? Um, honestly, my goal is just to put it in um, just a place where it could maybe happen. But, yeah, Rasheed, um, we do practice that um, once a week where Rasheed jumps up and pats it to the next guy or whatever. Um, they were supposed to be where Reggie was and then a guy in front of Rasheed and a guy behind Rasheed, and he felt Reggie and jumped up there and made one of the best plays that, yeah, that was wild. Yeah, had you yeah. ever th- had you ever thrown a hail mary like a s- successfully thrown a hail mary before in a game? I remember in like junior junior year of high school, I threw like a one on one ball at the very end of like the first half. But I mean, we were already beating them, and it, it was just not the not even close to the same. Yeah, that that was nuts. So that was the obviously kind of key to keeping your undefeated uh, season going. You guys are six and zero. Uh, have a bye week this week. So uh, uh, with the bye week, any any plans? I know you're a golfer and a hunter. Uh, you got duck season around the corner. Are you playing, or playing any golf this week? Uh, yeah, me and Grant actually played on Monday. Um, but, I mean, bye weeks, you would think we have a ton of time, but we don't. Um, and then Saturday, I might come up to Norman, see my girlfriend, but uh, not a whole lot going on. Gotcha. Gotcha. So kind of looking ahead, uh, rest of the season, obviously it's great. You guys are six and zero, number 23 in the country, but clearly that's not the ultimate goal you mentioned earlier. You want to win a championship and you guys are right in the right in the mix, uh, to win the AAC this season. So what, what's kind of going to take for you guys to uh, finish the season strong and have a chance at the end to, to bring home a trophy. Um, I, mean, I think we have to improve on offense. Uh, we just can't get complacent. We can't feel good about being 6-0. and uh, We just got to keep stacking week by week. And um, we're going to have some tests uh, coming up pretty soon. We're, we're going to play some really talented teams. And we just got to stick to the plan and um, execute. Yeah. What, Cincinnati? Or, so, you got Cincinnati on the road. You got Houston. Are they, they're, they're on the road, too. And, and then UCF's coming to Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we go to Memphis. Yeah. So what's kind of playing for the Big 12 and the AAC? AAC, it grants itself as the power six. And obviously Cincinnati is number three in the country. They've had UCF in the past uh, competing for playoff spot. Can you tell much of a difference between what you're competing against in the AAC compared to the Big 12? I mean, I would say the size of people is different. Um they're really, really, really good players in this conference, too. I mean, like you said, Cincinnati's ranked three or whatever. Um, but, yeah, whenever you look around the league, like, there's still a lot of a lot of guys that came out from this conference. Um, and I know this – I mean, like, a couple of weeks ago, SMU went to TCU and won. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of teams in this conference that can compete with Power 5 schools for sure. I just have one last question. So, uh I'm interested because going back to NIL deal with recruiting and everything, do you think that's going to have a huge impact or not really as much as everyone thinks? On recruiting? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that coaches will definitely leverage that at bigger schools, like tell them they're going to come and make loads of money. Whenever right. They probably won't. Um, <laughs> except like, like really, really high recruited guys will for sure that are going to play pretty uh, quickly, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to play a part. Um, places like like big power five blue blood schools will definitely use that to their advantage to to get guys to come there because they will definitely make some money. Right. Hey, you've got some you've got some interesting NIL deals. I see you posting World War or two books, hot chicken. <laughs> I mean, you're you're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to get a little of my own. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well. I mean, you are the, the the leading touchdown passer in the country, so uh, keep it up, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure they'll keep keep on coming. But uh, I know you got class coming up, so 
uh, I'll let you run, but we really appreciate you you joining us here for a few minutes and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. That was our interview with Tanner Mordecai. Now we're going to go into our midseason Heisman watch. Here are the current odds. These are the top six for Heisman right now. Bryce Young currently in first, plus 180, followed by Matt Corral at plus 200. Then CJ Stroud, plus 800. Kenneth Walker, absolute stud, plus 1,200. And then Desmond Ritter, plus 1,400. And Bijan Robinson, plus 1,400. So some really good, uh, pretty open Heisman watch, in my opinion. My Bryce Young is leading, but... Who knows what Alabama, they have another loss. Who knows what can happen there? Yeah, so, yeah, this is, a, I mean, the most wide-open Heisman race yeah. we've had in a while. And I think this is the year of the running back. I don't think a quarterback's going this season. Like I mentioned earlier, quarterback play has been suspect, uh, especially for a lot of the top teams this year. So I think that's a real opportunity for someone like Kenneth Walker at Michigan State, who's having an absurd season. He's got... 913 yards and nine touchdowns averaging over seven yards a carry he's like 150 yards ahead of the next yeah. leading rusher i mean well he every single week he's just tearing it up he's a wake forest transfer um kind of came out of nowhere and is, is tearing it up uh b john robinson who we talked about earlier i mean what a what a talented guy already has more carries than he did all of last season you got 789 yards, which is third in the country, eight touchdowns, averaging over six yards a carry. And how crazy is that Tom – I mean, I know he was a freshman, but Tom Herman hardly – I mean, hardly used this guy last year. I mean, he, towards the end of the season he played more, but, I mean, what a waste of a, a year for him last year. Uh, next up, we got a true freshman, Trevion Henderson at Ohio State. This guy is yeah. insane. If he, had a, if he had a starter's workload, I mean, he's getting like a split backfield. Mm-hmm. If he had a starter's workload – He'd probably be leading the country in yards. Yeah. He's averaging 8.77 yards a carry. And he's uh, 12th in the country in yards with only like 70 carries. I mean, it is. I mean, he might not have the, the touches at the end of the year to get it done. Uh, but, I mean, he, he's a really, really talented young guy. Uh, and then you got some of the, the quarterbacks, the favorites, Matt Corral, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. I actually think the value here is on is on Stroud. Mm-hmm. His numbers are really good. He's putting up big numbers. And he's got so many weapons around him, and he's on a team that can compete for a championship. Corral, probably not a championship contender, which could hurt him, but he's been so good. Uh, and then Young, he's been really, really good, probably the best quarterback in the country, but I think but every Alabama quarterback's been doing this. When you've yeah. got those guys around you, yeah. I think it kind of hurts his chances a bit. But he is still the favorite, so wouldn't be surprised if he brought it home. And then, I mean, my dark horse is the guy we just had on. He gets not. I mean, it's he doesn't. I never see him in the Heisman watches, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous to me is, I mean, potentially on pace to like break the touchdown passing record this season. I mean, he's got twenty six touchdowns already, which is. Five ahead of the next closest. He's sixth in passing yards in the country. Eighth in completion percentage. Eighth in quarterback rating. I mean, he's on a team that's undefeated. And, I mean, he is a dark horse. A very, very long shot. But if they go undefeated into that Cincinnati game, yeah. they go into Cincinnati and win that game, and you can get him like 100 to 1. I mean, mm-hmm. plus 15,000 right now. Fi- yeah, 150 to 1. <laughs> so, I mean, it might be worth putting 10 bucks on or something. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not going to happen being but, – but, I mean, Ritter is the, what, the fourth yeah, favorite or something like that? Exactly. So, if, I mean, I don't know why if, if SMU continues to win and they pull off that upset at Cincinnati, I mean, I just think there is there is some value there, albeit it is a, a big long shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so moving on to Week 7 preview, uh, we'll start off with Kentucky. Georgia – or Kentucky at Georgia. Georgia is currently favored by 22, which I think is a ton, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they still cover yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either. But Kentucky is uh, is not a fluke. That's one yeah. thing I want to get out of the way. They're a good, very well-balanced team. Uh, Penn State transfer Will Levis has been really, really efficient at quarterback. Uh, Nebraska transfer Wandell Robinson has been a playmaker at receiver. And then Chris Rodriguez, I think, is one of the most underrated running backs in the country. So their offense is well-rounded. But they do lack big plays. Um which I think you're going to need to beat Georgia. Georgia's only given up two plays of 40-plus yards all season. Kentucky's eighth in the SEC in uh, 
plays of 40-plus yards. So they're going to have to generate some something explosively, which they haven't necessarily shown that ability this season. But like I said, their team is very well-rounded. Their defense is really good. Um, they're 15th nationally, nationally defensively in yards per play. So I think they might give uh, Stetson Bennett his first real test of the season. And we'll, and I'm inter- interested to see what happens if Georgia's tested because I don't think J.D. Daniels is going to play this week once again. So if if Kentucky can keep this close and Stetson Bennett is forced to make plays, we'll see what happens because early last year when he was starting before Daniels took over, they he wasn't anything special, in their, in, especially in, the, in close ball games. So I don't think this is the week Georgia is going to go down. Um, I just think the talent gap is too big there uh, between Kentucky and Georgia. But Kentucky might be able to keep it close for a while. But the Georgia athletes, um, I mean, I just think they're going to, sh- I think they're going to shut down the, the Kentucky run game. Yeah. Force Levis to make plays to the air. And he's been efficient, but I don't know if he's can single-handedly put the team on his back and, and beat Georgia, especially in Athens. Mm-hmm. But I do love, I mean, Mark Stoops should be brought up for more, for more, uh, head coaching opportunities uh, at blue blood type jobs because what he has done at Kentucky is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think George is going to win this one pretty handily. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to Oklahoma state at Texas. Like I was saying earlier, I'm pumped to watch this game. Uh, Oklahoma state or yeah. Oklahoma state is a currently five point dog. Yeah. I think this is going to be a litmus, litmus test for both these teams. I think we'll find out who's, who's, OU's biggest threat in the Big 12 is the winner of this game I think kind of secures that that spot for now Pokes have uh, kind of gotten on track after starting real slow uh, they uh, have won back-to-back games by double digits over K-State and over a good Baylor team uh, really led by that that defense which is I mean, it's a I mean it's a top 10 top 15 type defense in the country they're only allowing 91 yards per game on the ground which is 11th nationally. Uh, they are also they also have a good pass defense. Um, I do think though, uh, offensively, there's still a lot of concerns there. They're so inconsistent. Spencer Sanders looked like maybe he was going to get going uh, after that K State game when he had a really big game, but then kind of went back to the Spencer Sanders we know and love last week against Baylor with those three picks. I mean, their offense just isn't very good. They've scored. 30 only once all year which is in that I think in that K-State game couldn't I mean they didn't top 30 against Missouri State or Tulsa so I don't think suddenly OSU is going to be some explosive offense I do like what Jalen Warren's doing OSU's ground game has been really really good um, but I think for them to win this game they're going to need a little more out of Sanders see the Sanders we saw in that, saw in that K-State game OSU's way to victory, I think, is going to be a get after the quarterback, which they can. They and they've got guys that can get after get after Casey Thompson, uh, because I do think they're going to slow down Bijan enough, like OU did in the second half, where Thompson's going to have to make plays mm-hmm. and then not get sacked, not uh, uh, not get sacked by that OSU front. But I loved what I saw at Texas on Saturday. I don't think OSU. I think OSU's got the defense to slow him down enough, but. They're not going to be able to end. This is a, a pretty high power. I and mean, this is a legit top 15 offense Texas has this season, which is the first uh, of such OSU's seen all year. I don't think, think they're going to be able to keep up with them, especially with it being in Austin. We'll say Pokes have, over the last decade or so, really had Texas' number. So you never know what can happen in this game. But just on paper, I think Texas is the better football team. They've got the better quarterback. They've got the best player on the field in B. John Robinson. I just don't think OSU's defense. I think they're they've carried the team long enough, and it's finally gonna gonna break for the Pokes. Yeah, yeah. They have. Uh, I was just looking at the rushing uh, rushing defense. They have the twelfth defense uh, rushing defense in the country, averaging ninety one yards, similar to OU, who's averaging ninety one yards as well. And so Bijan still found a yeah. way to yeah, exactly. rush for one hundred thirty six yards <laughs> right. against OU. So. All right, some of the other games this week, a little quicker here. BYU plus six and a half at Baylor. Yeah, a little Holy War action. Baptist Mormons here. Oh, yeah. That, 
I mean, Waco is so boring already. Imagine filling it with BYU fans. <laughs> I mean, that is going to be a boring tailgate scene. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Jaron Hall has been kind of nicked up for BYU, their quarterback. I think he should be back to full health this week. I don't think it's going to be enough. Baylor's defense is legit, and their offense is about as well round, or about as well balanced as, as they get. 233 yards per game in the air, 229 on the ground. I think they're going to cause some issues for BYU, and I think Baylor wins this one in Waco. TCU uh, heading to Norman. Going to be interesting to see how the Sooners look potentially in the first start for young Caleb Williams. TCU's rush defense is horrible. 116th in the country, which is so unlike uh, Gary Patterson. I mean, he's one of the best defensive minds in the country. But SMU tore him up on the ground. Texas, Bijan ran all over him. And I think with Caleb Williams at the helm for quarterback, their run game really opens up, and I think they're going to run all over TCU. I think Sooners will win and cover. Yeah, sue me if you say I'm a homer. Um, <laughs> uh, Bama at Mississippi State. Surprisingly, I asked Clint to pull this one up to see what Alabama's record is under Saban um, after a loss. They're only 12-6, and six, which, one, two things stand out for me. The fact that they've only lost, what, I guess 18 times since 2007. Mm-hmm. And secondly, 12-6 and six isn't that impressive of a number. But the thing I go back to is they haven't lost to an unranked team in 100, 100 matchups. So I think they're going to come out fired up. I think they're going to going to handle Mississippi State. I think they're going to cover that 17 points against uh, Mississippi State. I mean, Mississippi State's pass defense isn't good. So I think Bama, I think Bryce Young's going to have a big game. And then Mississippi State's run game is completely non-existent. So Bama will be able to kind of drop guys into coverage. So kind of some of that confusion we saw from their defensive back, I don't think we'll have as much because they're going to be able to drop guys, which they couldn't um, do as much against A&M. And so I think Bama wins this one big. Keeping it in the Southeastern Conference, Ole Miss heading to Tennessee. I've been so impressed um, by what Hypo's done with Tennessee already, and I'm kind of eating my words a little bit because I was not high on that hire at all. Um, but this is the best they've. I mean, they've scored 107 points in the last two games against Mizzou and South Carolina. This is the best they've looked since early in that Butch, Butch Jones tenure, and they look like a team that can can win and compete against the middle of the pack of the SEC. Uh, they found their quarterback and hooker, the Vautek transfer. Um, and their run game has been really, really good. It's sixth best rushing attack in the country. And combining that with hooker, who's um, been better through the air than, than Milton was, um, I think Tennessee's got the offense to hang, hang around here. I think it's going to be a shootout because Ole Miss defense is not good. Um, but, uh, like I said, a shootout. Both these teams, two of the best offenses in the country. So, Ole Miss – is four was is Tennessee or Ole Miss fourth? And uh, Miss Ole Miss is so fourth. Ole Miss has the fourth um, best offense or scoring offense, and Tennessee has the seventh best scoring offense. I just think Ole Miss offense is a little bit better. Not a little. I think Ole Miss might is one of the best offenses in the country. I think Tennessee's offense is really good, and I think Heupel schemes guys around really well. But it was against two, probably two of the three worst teams in the SEC. So I think Ole. I don't think. Uh, Tennessee's going to quite be able to keep up with Ole Miss, who's fifth in rush yards per game, and then has also a significantly better passing attack than what Tennessee does, top 20 passing attack. Uh, I like I like Ole Miss to go into Knoxville and win and cover the two-and-a-half against Tennessee. Uh, what would have been the game, could and w- should have probably been the game of the year in the AAC heading into the season, Central Florida at Cincinnati, but without Dylan Gabriel – UCF has not been the same team. I think since he being at home wins this one, wins this one big. Back to the SEC, Florida traveling to LSU. Oh, this is the beginning of a brutal stretch for 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 LSU. They've got uh, Florida this week, Ole Miss next week, Alabama the following following game, and then Arkansas after that. So I mean, mm-hmm. they're three and three right now. Coach O might be staring three and seven right down the barrel. Uh, I think this this is a series that's always crazy. Lots of craziness happens. So I think LSU at home, I do think they're going to keep this closer than uh, than expected. But I think I think this is just another nail in the coffin for for Coach O. I just think it's going to be a, a long, slow death. What a difference two years can make. 
so crazy. much so similar to to Gene Chizik at Auburn when he won the national title with with Cam Newton, historic offense, but just yeah, Coach O, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to beat him, I don't want to kick him while he's down, so I won't <laughs> say anything else. Um, couple more SEC games here. Uh, Auburn at Arkansas. I just think Auburn. I mean, I think Arkansas is just a much more well-rounded, well-coached football team. I don't trust Bo Nix at all. Uh, so I like Arkansas to win this one. A and M at Missouri. Missouri's horrible. They stink. But which A and M are we going to see? I think it'll be somewhat in between. I do think they're making strides. I think Calzada will get confidence boost off that win over Alabama and um, the throws he was able to make in that game. So I think we'll kind of be somewhere between. The early season A&M and what we saw against uh, Alabama. So I think they'll. I don't think they'll have issues with Missouri, but I'm not all in on the Aggies quite yet. And then finishing up here, Pac-12 battle, ASU, Arizona State traveling to Utah. People are starting to get real high on Arizona State, and usually when that happens in the Pac-12, they lose. So I think uh, I think Utah is going to get it done. It's in Salt Lake City, tough place to play. Uh, and Utah has just been a totally different team since Cam uh, Cam Rising took over at quarterback in that San Diego State game when he nearly led him to a comeback. Uh, they beat Washington State, and then they dominated USC last week. So I think uh, Utah gets it done, and the uh, Pac-12 race becomes even more wide open. All right, moving on to trivia. Let's see how you do this week. Got my timer out. We're ready to roll. Question one. What Pac-12 running back led the nation in touchdowns in 2009? 2009. Okay. I'm going to go with Jacquez Rogers. Toby Gerhardt. Oh, Toby Gerhardt. Yep. All right, question two. What team defeated UCLA to win the 2011 Pac-12 championship? 2011 Pac-12 championship. It, it, it's got to be Oregon, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, you can have a good guess. Yeah, I was like trying to do that. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that halfway through after I asked. <laughs> it. All right, question three, uh, one for two. Question three, who was the offensive MVP of the 2007 BCS National Championship? Okay, so can you clarify, was this the game in 2007 or was it the 2007 season? <sighs> I don't know, it's just listed as the 2007 BCS Championship. So I would imagine it's the 2006 season. So it's not the OU Florida game. No, no, no. Okay. Um, Ten seconds. Ooh. Um. 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 One second. Matt Flynn, LSU. Oh, I, I wouldn't have gotten that in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question four: What SEC quarterback was selected number one overall in the 2004 NFL Draft? SEC quarterback, 2004 yeah. NFL draft. That was number one overall pick. Yep. So Russell was after that. So 03 LSU won the national championship, but it wasn't the LSU quarterback. Ten seconds. I don't know. Eli Manning. Wow, I thought he was before that. One for four. I actually did, too. I, Yeah, I thought he was way before that. All right, last up, question five. What Big Ten running back won the Doak Walker Award for best running back in the nation in 2008 and 2009? 2008 and 2009. Yeah. Big Ten running back. Yep. I, know. I will be very impressed if you know this. Ohio State guy? Nope. Eight and nine. After Darren McFadden. I don't know. Sean Green from Iowa. Dang. I didn't even heard of that. I know Sean Green, but I didn't even know he won the Doak Walker Award. <sighs> Parker. One for five. I mean, this is, and you never know. You never I know. I really never get. know at all. It's like it's either one for five or five for five. <laughs> yeah, I know. It seems like. Damn. I know. So, cl- closing it up, make sure you're following us on social media. Uh, 
Instagram, we are at the fifth year podcast. Twitter, we're at fifth year podcast. Every week we put out our, currently we put out Big 12 and SEC power rankings. We might do some more in the future, but we also do a weekly top 25 and do our weekly bets. So be sure you're following us on that. Parker, anything else? Yeah, I'd also add, uh, hit us both up on Twitter. I'm at Parker underscore Biggs 37. What are you, CB Maxi 36? I believe so. But Clint's been putting out a lot of good, a lot of good stats uh, that can Maxi M A X E Y C three six. Okay, Maxi C three six. Yeah, hit, follow us both on Twitter. Clint's been putting out a lot of good stats um, heading into matchups. So good stuff there. But yeah, uh, once again, thanks to uh, Tanner Mordecai for joining us. That was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we're hoping to get more players on going forward, um, as we think that will be. That will be, you know, a good way to, to get some insight into some teams. So we really appreciate Tanner being the first uh, first guy to, to join us. But yeah, let's uh, let's have another good uh, weekend of college football. Thanks for uh, listening.